Welcome to the True Sight Podcast by Oracle's Elixir, your source for in-depth analytical coverage of professional League of Legends and the rest of the esports world. I'm Tim Magic Sevenhusen. Today, we are joined by the head coach of Evil Geniuses, Peter Dunn. Welcome to the show, Peter. Hello. Good morning, I guess. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's morning for me. I don't think it's morning for you right now, but does it matter more what the local time zone is or what your body clock is telling you? <laughs> uh maybe body clock um it's definitely been been a bit interesting i've I've been working working nights um uh to help the team get ready for the for the preseason tournament and the regular season so really really looking forward to to seeing them play this weekend it should be it should be a fun fun introduction yeah the lock-in tournament is coming up uh so we're recording this on wednesday the lock-in tournament starts on friday you know we're almost there we're so close we've had some lpl starting we've had lck starting uh, but it's it's almost time for North America. Uh, you know, you, you did have a little bit of North American games starting with uh, amateur tournaments and so on. But, uh, you know, I, I think LCS is a bit of a different beast, of course. So for you and your team, how, how has that prep been, been going? How are scrims going with the Evil Geniuses LCS team? Do you have, do you have your whole team together or is it starting to click? <laughs> uh, scrims are going well, .tm. Uh, you know, the... Um, no, honest, honestly, the... We started a bit later than most teams. Uh, I think most teams started on the 28th of December and we started on the 4th. So it was definitely a little bit, um, let's say, interesting at the start. Uh, but especially over the past couple of couple of days, there have been kind of clear improvements shown. Uh, I feel one or two of our players may have been a bit jet-lagged at the start. Um, but it was it was definitely the it, it's definitely been fun to watch them watch them play and to see certain players meet uh, meet expectations and some players exceed expectations which will be really interesting for the fans uh when they see it on stage um so so yeah looking forward to looking forward to this lock in uh tournament and you know i, I think eg could definitely be competitive so yeah, for sure. For for a team like yourselves, who are, I think most people would put you somewhere in the middle of the table, right? Like somewhere maybe that fourth to sixth range, I think most people would probably land you guys. How do you approach a tournament like the lock-in, you know, when you're maybe not a number one favorite to win and you're thinking, oh, we're, you know, we got to buckle down and get that prize money. It's a little bit more of a, you, you could go either way, right? You could say, let's do everything we can because we want to win that prize money. Or you could say, let's use this more as, treat it more as practice, be a little bit less pressure on ourselves like how do you approach a tournament like this one because it's a brand new thing for north america sure it is a brand new thing and i mean it's a brand new thing with a large very large prize pool i mean for for mm -hmm. people who want context the prize pool for first place for this tournament is more than the prize pool for a team in the quarterfinals of worlds it's a lot of money in terms of prize pool yeah. um but to be honest the prize pool doesn't really affect how we approach this tournament um what really matters to a team like ours is how fans value a tournament like this uh, and we I had a similar situation a couple of years ago on splice when we went to riff rivals um, and a lot of people on the other teams that went with us were were kind of belittling the tournaments and saying it didn't matter but our fans told us you know this is a tournament we really care about you know because it's splice's first chance since 2016 to play an international tournament so we want you to take this seriously uh, and so we took it seriously. Uh, as I mean, it wasn't the greatest revivals tournament for us, but but you know we, we took it seriously, and the the same thing will apply for this lock-in tournament. Uh, we've heard a lot of people who who are really keen to see our roster in action from the start, hit the ground running, and 
also who want reassurance that this isn't going to be a wasted year for EG. Uh, mm. And this is kind of why we're... I wouldn't say we're going 100% for this tournament, but we're definitely in the 90s for how seriously we're taking we're taking this tournament. Um, it's it's something which, which matters to us. Um, and, um, you know, it's important that that we answer preemptively some of the concerns that people have have about have about our roster and i think that this is something that we'll be able to we'll be able to see the results of it this tournament again it's worth saying we started scrims a week later than other people due to visas and immigration and things like this um so we may be a rough, bit rusty at the start but we are we're not going to go in and pick timo top lane you know or things like this. <laughs> like we're going to we're going to be playing we're going to be taking it seriously yeah, that's good to hear because I think going into a tournament like this one, when it is, you know, like we have somewhat uh, templates to model it on with Kespa Cup, Demacia Cup, you know, these are off-season events that are kind of, you know, early looks at teams' rosters, things like that. Like this is somewhat similar to that, but it does feel a little different to me because it's so close. Like it actually is kind mm -hmm. of a part of the official calendar as opposed to somebody else is putting this on during some downtime. And I think there mm -hmm. there is potential for the LCS to, to message it in different ways and try to shape the fan expectations. You could put it out like, hey, this is going to be a fun kind of celebration of the start of the year, a little bit more towards the All-Stars angle. Like, you get to see your, your players again. It's been a long time. Uh, and be a fan. Or you can angle it more towards, like, this is the first chance for these teams to prove themselves and look how big the prize pool is. And And it's been a little hard for me to tell what the intention was behind it. And so knowing that, you know, the teams are going to have to figure out how, how seriously they are being messaged to take it, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it does, it, it put it, it has put the event in a bit, little bit of an awkward spot for me. And, and partly that I think that's natural because it is the first time they're running it and they haven't really figured out what the fans want even. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, you know, knowing that the teams can, can look at it and say, this is actually really important for us to the extent that you actually have the opportunity, even because there are other teams that, like you say, you guys started scrims later than some other teams. Well, there are other teams that still don't have their actual starting roster together, right? So yep. there is a little bit of a mix of those. Yep. I'm excited to see how actually um, Riot North America spin this tournament because obviously mm -hmm. this is a big change, big sort of shift in uh, the dynamic in North America. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of the more established stars, um, you know, the two, arguably the two faces of the league in Bjergsen and Doublelift retired last, last yeah. summer. Uh, and this is this is kind of a new chapter in how uh, in how North America will approach kind of this new generation that's coming up, uh, and I'm very interested to see how it will be. Um, there's a lot of the the else from what I've seen in scrims, and obviously scrims, you know, with the caveat that scrims don't translate to stage. The North American League, in terms of playstyle, is going to be a very, very different league in 2021 to how it was in 2020 and how it's been in the past. Um, and this should be interesting. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think you know people have sometimes somewhat harshly uh, done uh, had the you know NA NA doesn't understand side lane memes um, in the past. I think this year teams do understand side lanes uh, and. It's not just going to be about team fighting. And you imagine there's going to be some growing pains in that, right? Like if you go, okay, hey, wait a second, playing through the side lanes is important, but it's going to take us a while to actually figure out how to do it properly, right? Yeah, but I'm, I mean, there's a lot of people who who are coming into the league who have really, really good understanding about sure. how League of Legends should be played, uh, and and the thing is that these that these players 
are not all congregating on individual teams. Uh, and this is this is something that that is a big deal for next season. I mean, sure, there have been coaching changes, but really, when you bring in somebody like Sword Art, when you bring in somebody like Perks, I've got to be really careful how I handle this. The mechanical difference is not really that much, that that large. People always overstate the mechanical difference mm-hmm. between yeah. between players, and I'm not trying to, you know, tone down how good players like Perks yeah. and Sword Art are in the league. They're obviously big you know stars with with yeah. with a strong mechanical basis but the thing that they really add to the league is in-game understanding and right. i think you're going to see a bit more sophistication in how teams play and i don't think that this is that that the the sort of the patches that have allowed teams to succeed domestically but not internationally uh in north america in previous seasons are going to apply this year and yeah. I, I have no idea how you know cloud nine how TSM, how Evil Geniuses are going to do this year. But the teams that go to Worlds from North America this year will understand how to play high-quality League of Legends. And that is going to make a big difference at the end of the year. Uh, yeah. Even even if, you know, Cloud9 don't go or TSM don't go, it, just having those people in the league is going to have an impact. Yeah, because the, the teams that beat them will have had to figure out how to beat what they're bringing in. And exactly. I, I've definitely seen, um, you know, on kind of the Perks point, for example, I've seen comments where... Uh, talking about, you know, I did a video last week about, you know, if TL win, here are the reasons that I think they'll win because here are all the positive arguments going for them. And then people coming in the comments and saying, no way, Perks is just going to smash Jensen in lane and then the whole thing's over because Perks is so good. And I'm like, okay, no, 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 that's not how this works. (laughs) The game is not that simple. And also, I don't think Perks will smash Jensen in lane for what it's worth. I think Perks will do a lot of other things better. And in theory, he'll connect with his team better and, you know, play on the map better and, you know, synchronize in certain ways, all that kind of stuff. But it, it's it, this is not the game where you get these one v one matchups, and whichever team has more winning one v one matchups wins the game. Like, it's it's just not how it works. The the one thing that I'm actually a bit sad about is that Niski's not going to be in North America anymore. Because I think it would have been really interesting to see Niski in in this kind of uh, an environment as well. You know, with when you have lane dominant mm-hmm. players like Jazuke and Perks in the league who who really like to play with their junglers. You have, but. But the way that these guys play lane is not just for individual advantage. Like the way that Jensen normally plays lane is for individual advantage. Generally, like, you know, when yeah. he's playing TF, it's different. But generally, players like Power of Evil and Jensen are laners that play for their individual advantage. Whereas mm-hmm. Perks and Jazuka are players that play much more aggressive and can play for jungle advantage or play for side lane advantage, right? Like if you're yeah. a primarily assassin player, you know, there's two juicy targets in bot lane and one juicy <laughs> target in mid lane who you could snowball on if your uh, enemy lane is being too is being too passive. Um, and this is, it would have been interesting to have somebody who was on the opposite spectrum to to this, uh, to see uh, to see somebody who, who, who was also willing to roam. But uh, aside from that, uh, I think that there's a really, really interesting variety. I have to admit that um, I found it quite hard to watch um, sort of sub-LCS North American talent. I mean, I, I when I was coming to North America, I wanted to do a lot of research and consume as much as I possibly could. Uh, but it's hard to track somebody's history. So, for instance, when I was following Kazi, I could watch four years of VODs. I, I could watch VODs of Kazi really easily from when he was like, he must have been 14 maybe 15 at the time uh, and th- those vods were online and they were very easy to to track down 
uh, and when I'm trying to watch somebody like Palafox, you know, my information on Palafox is basically his academy career. Yeah. Uh, and it's really hard to track kind of somebody's natural instincts. Like you, when you're really scouting a player, you want to see what they were like when they were like 15 playing in amateur tournaments. And so my understanding of some of the rookies coming up isn't that good uh, for, for their natural instincts, but I've seen how they play in academy and I'm really interested to see how they transfer. So so although I've said there's no Niski, you know, Palafox did play a little bit like that in, sure. in Cloud9 Academy. Uh, so 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 maybe I'm I'm understating how uh, how different the variety in styles will be. But definitely for the experienced players in North America, you can expect a lot of lane dominance. That means a lot of two v two fighting around mid, which is going yeah. to be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think the the jungle pool at the LCS level and in a you know you ha you get the jungle part of that jungle mid duo. And I think I think there are some pretty good junglers uh, for that kind of style who are going to want to carry and going to want to exert pressure on that. So that's going to be that's going to be kind of fun to watch. I, I know for sure, like the Svenskar and Jazuke pairing is one that uh, I'm going to want to learn a lot about and see how well they work together. Uh, and so hopefully, you know, the, this lock-in tournament will be a chance to see that and start to get a sense of it. Because right now the meta does, you know, it, a, a lot of the jungle meta seems to stylistically be carrying over from from what we've been seeing for the past few months, right? With a lot of carrying, a lot of uh, farming up and, and, you know, making the jungler a, a really important part of what's supposed to be happening later in the game, right? So... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's not this Lisa and Gragas Elise, you know, go and gank everybody and sacrifice yourself unless you're yep. Karsa and playing Pantheon <laughs> all the time. But <laughs> let's not model ourselves after that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, and I think I think from my perspective, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I, I thought Svenskeren's year in 2020 was a pretty poor year, especially compared to what we've seen from him in the past. And this, to me, I'm looking for the, the kind of the, the comeback story. Is that mm -hmm. the way you see I Maybe you don't want to talk about it that way because it's not well, helpful, but... I mean, what I would say is that it's very hard to ju judge a jungler in isolation. Um, sure. And there were all kinds of, like, without using inside knowledge, it was very clear that there were many different directions that EG were being pulled into play last year. Um, uh, and obviously, it becomes very hard. As a jungler, your role in a team like that is to patch up um patch up holes as best as you see them and in order to keep your team playing at a reasonable level often it means you are going to look awful in that kind of situation sure. um what i would say is another jungler like that is Xerxes. right Xerxes has been a jungler who was considered you know basically top three jungler since he came into the league he, he had four years three years or four years four, four, four years in the league where he he was considered a top three jungler almost without question uh, and last year he had a rough year in origin but the reason he was having a rough year isn't because Xerxes suddenly forgot how to jungle it's because he was doing a patching role rather than kind of playing an aggressive role to 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 his kind of his playstyle uh, and i think that that's a little bit what of what Svenskeren was having to do last year uh, and i think with the roster that we have this year uh, in particular in, in particular sorry uh with Ignar and Impact coming in, that will give him yeah. more support and more backup uh, for for um, for how he wants to play. I will say yeah. that I think that in North America, Impact especially, is categorized very, very incorrectly. Just because he, he's a really good... I mean, nobody disputes that Impact is like the god of weak side, right? right. But just because somebody can play weak side doesn't mean they can't play strong side too. Uh, and... 
just looking at impact uh, i i always suspected this was the case because before he came to north america he his champion pool was not a weak side champion pool no uh, i mean his his classic champion was renekton for the first couple of years right yep renekton javan <laughs> uh yes singed uh, i remember he, he he has a really good pocket singed as well uh, singed, and, though. see this <laughs> and this is my thing on impact is that i i never i think a lot of people have talked about impact as he's good at weak side but he can't carry which i don't think is yeah. fair at all I think yeah. there's a difference between saying you can't, you're not good at carrying versus saying you're not good at strong siding. And strong siding implies applying pressure in the lane and having the jungler join mm -hmm. you and setting up dives and tower pressure and all that kind of stuff, right? Which is different exactly. to me. I've always felt that Impact struggled, whether it was entirely on him or, or largely because of the team environment and knowing how to, to work around him, but he seemed to struggle with applying lane pressure and like winning his 1v1 laning matchups to create the strong side setups which is very because he can carry like he played these singed games but you weak side lane in singed and then carry later right i mean i i think that's fair uh i mean when we talk about a good strong side player we're not necessarily talking about somebody who will solo kill the enemy we're talking right. about somebody who is a good uh 2v2 laner in terms of how they control ways right yeah. uh and the this is some a criticism which has often been leveled at somebody let's talk about a player that i work with in the past somebody like kobe right uh, who is obviously somebody who can carry, um, but but is somebody who wasn't considered a good strong side player. Now, in Kobe's defense, when Kobe was playing with Mickey, he was like, his lady was really, really insane and considered like amongst the best in the league. Um, so I think it, it kind of depends a little bit on, on which support you're, you're playing with, with bot lane. It's a bit harder to judge. Um, but, you know, you can carry from weak side. Uh, yeah. But the way you carry is often slightly different. But yeah, yeah. for somebody like Impact, I think Impact is a fantastic strong side player. Uh, he just hasn't been put on strong side, maybe because the teams he was on, you know, preferred to play with support as the primary carry or with AD carry as the primary carry. Mm -hmm. And his his kind of knowledge of when to push advantages, how to control his wave, how to space appropriately, how to set up, um, you know, two minutes in advance for ganks and things like this is really, really top notch. Um, and I think he's a player that can play strong side. I'm not going to say we are going to play strong, him strong side, but I'm going to say that to just categorize him as a pure weak side player is doing him a massive disservice. Uh, and I hope teams do that coming into next year because uh, <laughs> he's going to show he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to see. And, and you know, I, I've I've been a, a huge Impact fan for a long time because I think even when people were characterizing him as only a weak side player even within that storyline, he was being underrated and people weren't even appreciating how valuable that was given the teams yeah. he was playing on and the role he was filling. So for a long time, I've been, you know, one of the guys boosting up impact is like, Hey, you guys don't actually recognize how good he is. And then the, you know, and, and I'm even one of the people who, who struggled to see him as a good mm. strong side player. So if he adds more of that in, um, and that becomes, you know, just, just another flavor you can bring, bring out, even if you mm. only do it 20% of the time or something, it makes it harder to draft against you guys yeah. and all that other stuff. So, uh, I would love to see it. I, I mean, I think Impact has a bit of the Odo problem, right? Which is that um, in Odo, in Europe, Odo is Odo Omne is considered uh, to be one of the best weak side play, weak side top laners in the league, um, and therefore because he's so willing to play the Maokai, he's so willing to play all of these, you know, weak side champions. In mm -hmm. Impact's case, the Orn, the Mordecai, so you know, yeah. people just assume, oh, this is all he can play. But no, 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 no. He's he's willing to sacrifice for his team because he yeah. thinks that by playing weak side, because weak side is harder to play than strong side. To be clear, mm -hmm. like it's really hard to be a good weak side player. Yeah. Um, that he can 
he can contribute and allow other people to carry and he's taking the responsibility on on himself and because he's willing to do that it's so easy as a coach to just go say sure you know go yeah. go and play your Mordecai's or something like this and and we'll we'll focus on the other side of the map and thank you for making that sacrifice right yeah. um and i think therefore he's been pigeonholed into that role a bit um but definitely like impact is no joke he's 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 better than people think he is, and people already think he's 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 really really good. So, yeah. so yeah, looking forward to showing it. And I think I think there are some other pieces on your team that are going to make that more of an option, right? Having Ignar come in, and he's a guy who loves to get out of lane, and and you know we we saw mostly last year we saw him get into mid lane or help out mid lane because Power of Evil was kind of what FlyQuest played through so much of the time. Uh, but you know you can also have that support roam up to the top lane or be playing into the enemy jungle things like that. How much is he going to uh, affect the way you guys set up your game plans? So, Ignar is somebody who is a player who is very good at playing around vision and is never afraid to go in. Um, and I think one of the biggest advantages of having a player like Ignar on your team is he is, and I know this from Europe, extremely stressful to play against because when he, when he like channels you know when somebody stands in the middle of mid lane and they start channeling their hex flash you know they're kind of bluffing a lot of the time we think yeah. that he's not bluffing like a lot of the time he's not bluffing you know you you see the engage and you think oh he's not gonna go he's not going he's not going in here surely he's not going in no he's going in uh, and that means you have to respect a lot more with Igbar than you you would with with almost any other support. I mean, yeah. I, like this guy is. I, I I like players who play without fear, and Igbar has never had any fear at any point in his career. Uh, and um, yeah, he he's he's a player that 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 is very smart about the game, but also is a player that has very good instincts and. You know, there there's some there's some supports in, that people have talked about uh, who 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 force themselves to play this engaged role for 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 the team. Um, but what I would say is that remember that Ignar's best performance in his career probably is when he was on Misfits, uh, yeah. when Misfits made quarterfinals of Worlds, and it's worth saying that that when they made Worlds, it was the Arden Center meta and everybody was playing Arden Center. I thought the meta was complete garbage, but like everyone was doing it. And what were Misfits doing? Misfits were playing Leona with, um, oh, what, what was it called? Yeah, Ignite. Uh, I, Ignite, but also, oh, I forgot what the rune was. Um, but, you know, pure oh, naming. Uh, Hail, pure... like Hail of Blades or whatever, right? Was it Hail of Blades? Oh, yeah, one, I, of, those, I mean, I one of those, one of those like attack speed related. For further battle, further battle. There there you go. Yeah. Which, which, was, which was not even like, you know, that Leona falls off at like, yeah, yeah. 10 minutes and they were going they were going pure pure laning phase pure aggression all the time and you know he's not afraid to challenge convention and yeah. he is very very aggressive and um i really like that in a player like i i mean i, I don't think you can have five ignars on a team but having <laughs> one ignar you know is it's not it's not a bad thing uh and having you know two or three is is even is even yeah. better which is what well, i think this eg team will be like and what you need on your own team when you have that right is people willing to follow up because like if you have the the support who's going to go in or the jungler who's always going to go in and you don't have the people who are going to back them up and like 
oh, I know he's about to go in, so I have a better position for it. Then you get, like, I, I've been watching some of the the first day of LCK, and you have, like, Vista playing on on uh, on, on Hanwa with Deft, and he's going in every single time, and, like, uh, they haven't quite figured out that they need to go in with him yet. You know, it's just brand new, <laughs> brand new team kind yep. of things and a new player. But you've got some players in your team that are definitely, like, like Impact, we've already talked about him. He's, he's a really good team fighter and, you know, knowing how to follow stuff up. And you've got someone like Jizuke, who... You know, I think one of the issues with him in 2020 was sometimes he was going in too often. He was playing too aggressively. But you pair a couple of those players together and potentially you've got a really good fit, right? Sure. And I mean, you can sometimes see this difficulty in uh, a difference in identity, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I've got to be careful how I phrase this. There are some, you know, you, you can have success with a team that has certain very very aggressive players and certain players who are not the most aggressive but if you have that disconnect in style individual players will often look really really bad Um, uh, i'm not going to mention any teams but there's some very clear teams who were very good teams in 2020 who had that disconnect uh and maybe it led to people mischaracterizing the strength of their players, right? Uh, and this is something, obviously, we have to be aware of with EG. Like, any team that wants to play this kind of aggressive style, you cannot wait for your 100-0 opportunity right. if you're going to play as an aggressive team. You have to accept that sometimes you're going to flip a coin and yeah. your flip is going to come out wrong and you're going to look really bad. Yeah. you got to take um, your 60-40s, right? Exactly. you got to take your 60-40s. You've got to take your 70-30s. And I think... Um, so, you know, one of the metaphors I've heard, right, for, for this kind of thing is, you know, why take a 70-30 now when if you wait 10 minutes, you can take a 90-10, right? But the thing is, if the team you're against is, you, if, has that option, right? If you're both sitting in a room and, you know, the person who leaves gets the jackpot, um, but the, the probability goes up, you know, so, so, so you're sitting in a room back to back, one whoever leaves the room first wins um but if you go to the door first and you have a sick you know a, as time increases the probability goes up and mm-hmm. my philosophy is so this was a bit of a tangent is that you're both facing back back at what yeah. point do you stand up and go for your chance right and take your 70 yeah. 30 chance that you know the door may slam in your face uh and all coaches and all players have different tolerance for this and yeah. i would say that Throughout my coaching career, maybe my tolerance as a coach has been for risk has been higher than most. I mean, even even on the splice teams, which went thirty five minutes, we were still taking risk. It doesn't mean that they were good risks, but we were still <laughs> taking them. So, so I think that's that's what we'll see. That's what we'll see from from EG this year. Um, and you know, maybe it doesn't work and we end up playing for 40 minutes again but i i i, I don't believe that's no. going to be the case. but I, I i really do love teams that play that way i think that the team that i always think about in in that perspective is uh, is clutch gaming when they went to worlds when they had players like uh demonte they had uh vulcan who loved to go in and like start plays and and get aggressive on the map uh huni was also part of that and then you had you know lira coming in as this great secondary engager who you, you, somebody's gonna make the first play and he's so good at like being right behind the first play and making the continuation, like whether he's going in with the Skarner ultimate after the initial engage and grabbing the exact right target. Um, and then you had Cody Sun doing cleanup, right? Which again, ready to follow up those engages. And you had a team that could put all those 
put all those actions together in the right way that they really became kind of more than the sum of their parts. Uh, mm-hmm. And having a team that is willing to have a couple of trigger pullers and a few people who know exactly how to follow them up and be ready for them and know, hey, it looks like, you know, because sometimes these things happen so fast that you can't tell you, you can't tell the rest of your team, it's okay, I'm about to engage in, you know, seven seconds, so get ready to like, you know, it yeah. doesn't, you have to, you have to have this intuitive um, aspect to this. So I think that's something that, you know, it, it's a lot easier in a lot of ways to play as a team that is looking for the other team to play into you. And then mm-hmm. you just exploit any, any kind of cracks in the way they've, they've created their engage, but it's a lot more, you, you, you have so much more control when you're the team that can put that yeah. whole engage and playmaking setup together. Sure. It's also about trust, right? Like, I mean, sometimes somebody can go in for what is a good engage, but because their teammates hesitate for one second or two yeah. seconds, it looks awful, right? Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, uh, this is something which obviously we have to rely on, like we have to we have to work on, on EG for this year if we're going to kind of play this style. Um, and what I would say is that sometimes players who are considered to be inconsistent are often treated as being inconsistent because they find really good engagers and there's no follow-up. Uh, and yeah, uh, just to throw one name out there, uh, like Hilatang is a player which is very highly regarded by pro players yes. in Europe. But is maybe not as highly regarded by fans, uh, and yeah, uh, I would just say that sometimes you can find those holes, um, yeah. but you have to take the risk and you have to be, you have to trust that your team will follow up. And Ignar and is going to get that from his team, right? Like, yeah. I, I mean, there's going to be no problems with that. that. That trust seems like something that can really kind of snowball either direction. Like, if you trust them, you you kind of take the risk and you trust your teammate and you follow them up, and it works out really well a few times. It, that just builds the trust up so much more. But if it doesn't work a few times, it, I'm sure there's a challenge, um, you know, of anti-snowballing that of like, hey, I have been trusting him for like three days and it's failed every time. What am I supposed to do now? Like, and, and as I'm, that's what I imagine or would hope that a coach could come in and, and you know, this is what you're here for is to deal with those, you know, those kind of high valence moments where the trust can go either direction. And I'm sure that's something that you've had to deal with in the past, right? Yeah. Um I, I mean, yes, but also, also, it's about having. It's about also ha- having your players kind of trust trust the process that that mm-hmm. you're going through, right? And just understand that there will be growing pains, and understand that it won't always work out uh, correctly. Um, but if you look at the top teams in the world, this is how League of Legends is played, right? You cannot try to outscale a team like G2. You're just never going to get the opportunity. You cannot outscale a team like uh, like Suning or like Damwon because these teams, what they do is they build pressure through the threat of their aggression. They don't even have to make an aggressive play, but yeah. you know that they have the threat that they could do at any time. And that is, it's something you can overcome in a one, uh, in a best of one. But over the course of a best of five, it mentally yeah. exhausts you. Uh, and this is something that you know we understand that we have to be able to do, uh, and it's not enough to just find a style that succeeds in North America. At the end of the day, it's 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 about finding a style that will help you succeed against the best teams. Uh, and maybe if you can't play that style, then you compromise and find a 
fine patch solutions, but the way that people should aspire, in my opinion, as a coach, to play is to kind of set the pace of the game and to be in positions where you can always force at all, at all, at all times so that you always have options. Um, because simply having that kind of play style puts burden on the enemy team and puts stress on the enemy team, um, especially in best of series. So yeah, absolutely. Just add... Yeah, so you you kind of hope that you know in terms of the the trust and the the team's kind of synergy in that sense, you you hope that you've built up enough, I guess, authority and like respect from your players as a coach that even if they have trouble trusting their teammates, they're trusting you as a coach. They're trusting the systems you built. They can say, hey, you know, I I know I'm struggling a little bit with this one teammate but the entire system is going to work out. They'll do their part. I just have to do my part, you know, and keep filling in my piece in that system, right? I mean, all I would say is that I'm coming into North America. Like, I've I've done nothing in North America yet. Like, there's there's no there's no guarantee that this year is going to go well. There's no guarantee that my that my style of play is going to work is going to work in North America. Yeah. Um. But that's something you know. I just have to work hard to to prove to to you know the community to the fans and also to my players right like that this is that this is a, a system that they should be they should believe in uh and that you know that kind of starts here uh, yeah. um uh it's not i don't believe that trust should come on the basis of reputation or the ve- basis of past past results right like i, I to me yeah. you know season 11 is different from season 10 season 9 season 8 you know maybe maybe you were a very successful coach in season 6 but the game is fundamentally different in season yeah. 11 and it doesn't you know the things that you've done in the past have no bearing on how well you can you can cope in the future you have to relearn the game every single year and this is kind of what one of the things that i really really like about league of legends it's one of the things that i really appreciate about eg um i think i i've i've said this publicly before but I interviewed like I I I wanted to come to North America this year. Uh, I have an ambition as a coach to coach in all the major regions, uh, and uh, at least have a good idea about how teams run. How you know, just from the cultural perspective, it's super super interesting to me as a coach. Um, and this is, um, and I interviewed as a result with a number of North American teams, but EG were the team that basically said, "Okay, we want to give you a lot of control over this roster, but." If we're going to do this, we want you to, um, we want you to prove yourself, right? Mm-hmm. We're not going to take your reputation uh, for in-game or out of game on the basis of, you know, reputation. We're going to go hard on you. We're going to make your life really, really uncomfortable in your interview. We're going to question you in depth. Test you, right? Like prove it. Yeah, we're going to test you, and we're not going to be polite to you. Like uh, the worst <laughs> thing, if you're appealing to a coach like me, is that you just say, you know, you you. You, you kind of bow down and say, oh, you know, we really respect what you do. No, I want to be tested. I, I want this from my players, right? I want my players, if they think that I'm that I'm doing something wrong or they think that I'm wrong about something, the worst thing a player can possibly do is is just sit there and nod and just just yeah. just accept it on reputation. You know, oh, you know, it's Peter, he's saying this, I have to respect him. No, challenge me. And yeah. this is something which, which EG did. And this really, really impressed me about EG. And... You know, when I was kind of making my choice for team to go to, the fact that they took nothing on on reputation is the thing which I really, really respected about this. Org. And yeah. I, I I like I like what they're doing. So yeah, I think there are a lot of things that that EG are doing. You know, in in terms of um, bringing you in and the way they brought you in, and then other things just with the way they're building out their entire roster system, not just the LCS team but beyond, that show that EG are really 
building for the long term. They want to build something that is going to go beyond just what's going to give us the best chance of winning this year, but what's going to set us up for success two, three, five years down the line. So mm -hmm. I'd love to talk a little bit about your academy and amateur plans and you know, starting with the fact that it took you guys so long to announce your academy roster. You had an amateur announced before academy. What what was up with that? What took so long? Was it just getting and everything official? No, we're building up. We're building up the hype, Tim. Like <laughs> we're building. <laughs> you know, save the best to last. Uh -huh. um, uh, no, no, there there were some decisions we had to make. Um, you know, it's no, we don't take the decision to put somebody who's 16 like jojo jojo pian in academy lightly i mean sure. to be clear 16 year olds generally should be in school uh, generally uh, and there's a reason why that the minimum the minimum age for lcs is 17 right uh and we wanted to be really really clear uh like we believe he has a huge amount of talent but we wanted to be clear that we had the right setup for him in Los Angeles, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I think he's a player that has a bag of talent, but we're not going to sacrifice his schooling in order for him to be able to show his talent. You know, he's going to be, be doing a full school day, getting up really, really early in the morning before he goes and does scrims. We even found a nice uh, East Coast school that will mm -hmm. allow his schedule to not interfere with scrims um, nice. uh, because of the time difference, which I hadn't even considered as a solution. Um, yeah. But But we believe that that this was somebody who who deserved a shot in 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 academy but if we were going to make it work we would have to you know we could it's not something we could take lightly um so i think that was one factor uh i think also visas was another factor uh uh with mystiques uh and um yeah there, there were a lot of decisions that were made were made for academy which required which we had to make sure we went through the correct steps to make sure all, everything in the process was was covered properly. Amateur wasn't a problem because amateur is uh, something that uh, that and I'm not sure how much of this is public knowledge and I know Empire's in the chat so I've got to be careful about this um, but Empire has been working with uh, with a certain amateur team for, for, for a long time uh, and we knew this team we knew this team well I'm not sure how, how I've ever allowed. We know this so team for, for a here, long time. Here are the rumors <laughs> I've heard. The rumors I heard were that Zenith was out there as an amateur team and EG kind of partnered with them and then brought them into the fold. That's just a rumor and you don't have okay. to say anything about it either way. But I, I just heard that as a rumor. I mean, I I could I couldn't possibly comment, but all all I would say is we knew the amateur, we knew the five amateur players and the amateur coach we wanted to work with, like before I joined EG, right? Like this is and. Obviously, when I joined, I had to do a quick look over for all the players and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I'm very happy with the with the amateur team we, we we've got in place. Uh, I think there's some really really strong talent there, uh, and I would be shocked if you didn't see at least two to three of those guys, maybe even all five, but at least two to three in the LCS within let let's say two years let, sure. let's say something which which i'm which which i'm which i'm certain I'm, you know like a certain inverted commas bet you know that i'm certain i'll win right like two to three of those guys will definitely be in lcs in two years uh and uh that's a good reason for people to go out and watch to, to go out and watch um academy and amateur i mean the new system is 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 really really um is is really fun and i know a lot of people in europe love to watch eu masters because they like to spot the stars of the future but the new 
system that they have for amateur in the academy is very very exciting and I, I i really like what riot north america have done um i will say that i i still think the eu master system is better but riot eu had those yeah domestic leagues already in place uh there are so structural the, there are structural yeah. elements that allow eu masters to exist like the fact that you have you know a portuguese league a german league a spanish league and you can just like yeah. take the top teams and put them together you you can't come into north america and say hey we've got a west coast league an east coast league a, you know a couple of central leagues yeah. and we're just going to take that like that infrastructure doesn't, doesn't exist to draw from right now right yeah. uh, and the system so. that they put in place with the multiple tiers and you know multiple you know, if, if you do badly in academy, you will go and play with the amateur teams. And yeah. I, I love that. I really, yeah. really love that. Uh, and <laughs> by the I, way, I think Zazel is, is that player, an example of that player. And he has been just destroying these games this week. So yep. I, I love mean, to see it. I, yeah. Uh, and uh, what I would say is watch amateur this year it will mm -hmm. be exciting it will be interesting this is a good step in the right direction for north american talent like i cannot stress this is you know it's not a single player it's not perks coming in it's not like you know coaching staff or something coming from different regions which is going to make the difference in the long term it's the infrastructure that you have in place and the infrastructure right north america have put in place this year is really good and you should mm -hmm. go out and support it because yeah. if you are a fan of north american league you know, it doesn't matter. Your individual team may be really, really good this year, but if you don't have the talent pipeline, they're not going to be good forever. Uh, and this talent pipeline that they've got in place is going to be is going to be very exciting. And all I can say is that EG have bought in really hard to the system, and we believe that our amateur team and academy team is amongst the top out there. Even if people don't know some of the players on these teams, they'll know them very, very soon. So um, EG Prodigies is two and zero in in the Risen tournament so far, I believe. Yeah. Uh, can you remind four, us the four. remind us the roster and, and and sell us on them being a top amateur team? Um. So give, the roster is. <laughs> Do you the sales pitch? Um. So the 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 amateur team is Seti. Um. Top. Uh. What you need to know about Seti is he is a um. He's primarily a carry player. He he does have some good tank picks, but um, what I would say about Sati is he he's a natural born leader. He has very very good comms, uh, and he is he's a player that wants to brawl you to the death. Uh, I'm not going to say he's champion pool because the tournament's still going on, <laughs> uh, but he he is he's a very very exciting top laner to to watch. Definitely a strong side player. Very much likes to fight to the death. Uh, Tomio is a jungler who maybe people saw from scouting grounds. He's still in his final year of school. He is, I believe, still 17, although maybe he's just 18. No, he's still 17. Uh, and he, for people who play NA solo queue, he's the guy who's high on the ladder called C2 Meteos. Uh, he, he does a very entertaining stream. He has a very, he's a very, very unique sense of humor, but quite a funny sense of humor. Uh, uh, likes his... Chinese aggression um, uh, and is a carry 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 jungler uh, aspect pretty strong all around player has a very good pocket Azir has a couple of very strong uh, assassin picks but primarily from what I saw in scouting um, before I joined DG primarily a control mage player but can can be a two-way player uh, but is still developing his style but very very good control mage player uh, Dan also 17 um is he called dan anymore i don't think he's called dan anymore uh 
he's called Shiro now, I think. I'm really embarrassed. Uh, I guess I don't, but I, I'm going to call him Dan. Um, uh, very uh, Dan Dan Kaiser used to be a Kaiser one trick, has adapted over time, uh, but really, really loves those champions that jump in. And missed, uh, you know, an engaged support player um, likes to likes likes learning phase, likes to play the engaged support. Actually, that team is even more aggressive than our main team. Holy moly! Those are five <laughs> players that all want to jump in and skill check you at all points. Yeah, go and watch them. EG Prodigy is really, really fun to watch. All wants to jump in all the time. Will find you to the death, even when it's not good and they're outnumbered three v five. But definitely a fun team to watch. Um, You're testing your mechanics. Uh, testing your mechanics. Yeah. Um, so. Oh, uh, Empire's correcting me that his Dan Shiro Prince Agrius cut. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, uh, the AD carry for ED Fondages, whatever he chooses to go, whatever name he chooses to go <laughs> on on this on this uh, time of the week. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, they've performed pretty well so far. Uh, they played four games. Um, so far they're two zero two zero. Um, playing against some pretty good good teams. I mean. It, it, uh, Illinois State University are, are no jokes in the amateur scene, uh, and they 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 played they played them pretty well. So so looking forward to see how the, the rest of the tournament progresses. Um, yeah, but good team to watch. Good team to watch. And and the uh, the hope will be for these guys that they can make it into proving grounds and play against the the academy teams and potentially even match up against your academy team. So the academy roster you guys did land on. You mentioned a couple of the players from it. But the the full lineups you have Jojo Pion in mid, uh, and you have contracts in the jungle, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. So worth quickly summarizing these guys as well for people who don't know yeah. who don't know the academy teams. Strongly, strongly recommend following both EG Amateur and EG Academy if you're you want to get into the scene. Obviously, I'm EG coach, so I'm going to say support our teams. But even if you don't want to support EG, you know, you have an irrational hatred of all things, you know, fun in the world, um, then, then you should still follow these guys because, the, because they have a huge amount of talent. Um, Tony Top, uh, for people who don't know, is a player who has, um, who was able to play scouting grounds for the first year this year. Um, he, he just got his Canadian passport. He is a player who actually I first heard about um, through, through some of my contacts in China. Uh, he's been to the scouting grounds of certain LPL teams, I'm not going to say which ones, uh, and has performed well, was invited back uh, last year, but chose to take uh, North American residency for various reasons, um, mm -hmm. uh, just non-league related. So so the, um, so yeah, so a very exciting player. It's re he's 20, but it's his, really his first year this year to really show his talent. Um, very, very carry oriented to play from anyone who knows him from solo queue. He he will go ignite TP in certain <laughs> matchups just frequently and try to kill you in lane. Um, contracts, obviously, contracts. I, I think contracts was a top six jungler in, in LCS last year. I'm really, really glad we got him. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, in, in terms of contracts, uh, I, I had some kind of mixed tone things to say about the 100 Thieves lineup, and a lot of it spurred from like. But why aren't you keeping contracts? And like, I, there are there are reasons for it, right? And they obviously have reasons why they they let him go from the L the LCS team and ended up, you know, moving him onto you guys. But uh, contracts is really good, and I don't think it was appreciated how good he was and how important he yeah. was to like the pairing with someday last year. Yeah, I mean, I I'm really happy to have contracts on Ichi. I think the guy the guy is really good, and he's definitely good enough to play LCS. Uh, I'm. 
I mean, I'm really happy to have him. That's all I'm going to say. I thought Ander, Ander was a really good jungler in 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 Academy last year. Like, I mean, I thought thought Ander was a top two jungler in, in Academy. Uh, but... Yeah, I thought he was the best jungler in Academy. But I also I yeah. also thought that the, the jungle position in Academy last year was probably the weakest position. So, mm-hmm. you know, just for whatever it's worth. Yeah. But yeah, um, it was decent. But contracts is better. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're not going to... But, you know, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, for mid, Jojo, uh, what you need to know about Jojo is he's just turned 16. He turned 16 in late November, early December. Was an ex-Fortnite Fortnite pro player. Um, made the transition to League. Uh, climbed very high up. Got banned for various reasons. Did his time. Uh, and then uh, climbed to top 10 in solo queue. Got his account banned. And then, cl- then created a new account from scratch and just climbed to top 5. <laughs> <laughs> just for the fun of it. Uh, because this is what you did. He has bags of talent. Um, is very, very raw. Um, I'm glad that he has a jungler-like contracts to play with and a support like Mystiques who will guide him. Uh, but, Hopefully a stabilizing but, personality as well. Yeah. Uh, but definitely he 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 he's he's somebody to, to look out for. Uh, and, you know, it, making the, if you're going to transition games, doing it at 16 is... Doing it at 15, actually, is, is a good mm-hmm. time to do it. Um, and... He he really impressed me. I mean, to be to be honest, he was a player that I'd never heard of before before I came to North America. But uh, it was one of the first players that Empire said to me, "You've got to look at this guy," uh, and I did. Um, and we were originally planning to have him in consider him for amateur, but I mean, I think it it was the right choice to move him to 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 academy in 2021. Um, then we have at support uh, at AD Carry, we have Shuryu, who is a player who came up. Uh, alongside was he was he was in the same generation as Tactical, right? And him and Tactical were considered pretty similar in terms of the, their potential when they were coming up together. But for various reasons, he had to take a break from the game and is kind of restarting. Um, mm. I would say his, his career um, after his break. Um, and uh, I, I think he he has a lot of potential, but. Uh, I think he was a bit underrated uh, as a result uh, of of kind of w- what happened on Team Liquid, and he's obviously somebody who has a very good relationship with Matt, who's our coach for Academy, uh, and is somebody who who showed really really strong performances alongside Tony on Scouting Grounds. We drafted those guys specifically to scout. Actually, we have three of the five players we drafted in Scouting Grounds. I just realized <laughs> we have Tony, we have Tony, and we have uh, we have Shuri on our team. Huh. Um, uh, that's interesting. Um, but w- working with those guys at Scouting Rounds, it was really clear that, that those were people we wanted to commit to. And I mean, just on the subject of Mystiques, I think Mystiques is similar to contracts in that I think Mystiques is a top. Like, w- what's uncontroversial? If I said that Mystiques was a top eight support in Europe, I think that wouldn't be controversial. Uh, I think he's higher than top eight. Uh, but I-, I would say that he's consistently proven to be amongst the best supports in in ERLs, and I'm shocked he's not playing in LEC. I'm just shocked he's not playing in LEC. What's the rationale um, then, as EG, what's the rationale for bringing a player like Mystique's into Academy? Is it just because he gives you, you know, he's such a great player and you think he'll give you a chance to win, and winning is good for young players? Is it because he can be, like, a teacher? Is it because he can challenge your LCS starter? Like, what's the rationale for that? So the rationale behind something like Mystique's is he's going to make sure you really really good like i mean playing with with a support from the of the caliber of mystiques is is fantastic uh and i mean he he can help be support for contracts he can help develop um develop 
uh, Jojo, and he's somebody who can also push for, for a starting spot. Mm. But, but what I would say about Mystique's is, you know, EG's philosophy is not the, is not. So often when you commit to, to an organization, you have to worry, you know, if I commit to this organization, are they just going to lock me in the future? Right. And what yeah. I would say with, with Mystique's is Mystique's final goal is to play LCS or LEC. He's good enough to play LCS or LEC. Like, I'm just telling you, he's good enough. He's not even like close. He's not even like, you know, one of those players who's eight to 12, you know, who's on the borderline. He's better than eight to 12, right? Like he, he's good enough to play in those leagues. Uh, and if you know, we happen to have Ignar in our main team over him, uh, and if he doesn't have the option at, at EG and somebody else wants him, like, you know, good luck to this guy because he's he's definitely good enough, and I'm I'm shocked that we that we were able to get him. But when you see a player like this who's willing to play in your academy team, who's keen to prove himself, and who has that track record of success, and who you know is mechanically good enough because you've been following his, his career for multiple years, and he, they come to you and and ask for the opportunity to prove themselves, you don't say no. Like I mean, sure. just go say, come here, you know, see, see what you've got. Uh, yeah, that's fair. And, um, and yeah. So, so it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a difficult decision. And, and, and from his perspective, then you know, if if you aren't able to to break through into you know taking over the LCS spot or you know getting getting uh, acquired by another LCS team in season, something like that, there is you know we we have seen very recently. Treats was a player who was yeah. the best, probably the best support in Academy in 2020, um, and he got an opportunity to go into the LC, LEC this year, even though he, you know, tried to take over the TSM starting spot some complicated reasons he wasn't able to hold on to it that we don't need to go into right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was his fault. Uh, and now he, he did end up in the LEC. So, you know, yeah. maybe a player like Mystique thinks I can emulate that. I can do better. You know, maybe he thinks I'm better than treats uh, and I can take that spot next year. So um, best um, of luck to him think, in achieving it. I think also people have understated how much of a benefit going to North America can be if you are a top support in the ERLs and you don't have the opportunity to play to play um lec um you know we've seen this with with players like niski we've seen it with with treats i'm sure we'll see it with mystiques at some point um but you know being able to go to a different region and can show a consistently high level of play demonstrates that you have good flexibility and you have good adaptability um and it's not something that everyone can do and i'm not going to say that you know People should be lining up to come and play in NA Academy. Although I do think NA Academy is better than it was in the past. Uh, the system yeah. is better than it was in the past. But if you, you know, it's something that if you can show you, you you have the flexibility and the adaptability to find success in multiple regions, it's not an option that you should automatically rule out. You know, just on the basis of pride or arrogance or whatever it is, right? right. Uh, and yeah, uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, I think the guys obviously extremely talented and i'm i i wouldn't be surprised if we saw one to two people make this transition in the future although i would be rather sad uh if it was like five people doing it because you know <laughs> then you're blocking any talent from having the yeah. opportunity to come up but yeah, but i wouldn't be surprised if you saw one to two you know players who, who maybe want to who maybe want to try this route in the future because i think it's a route that can work and you know treats have shown it could work and niski shown that it could work and i think other players in the future will show that it can work too yeah so you came over to NA from Europe coaching there with, with Mad Lions and, and before that, you know, when they were spliced before the rebrand and we don't have a lot of time left, but you know, there are a few topics about the LEC this year that I'd love to get your take on. 
Um, and first of all, I think the most obvious is just, you know, now that you're removed from Mad Lions, uh, moved on to something else, you know, in the sense that, that you know, you moved on to another team um, and you weren't involved in the changes that they've made to their roster for 2021. Uh what are you, what are your expectations for Mad Lions? What they're going to do with the changes they made, bringing in Armut and El Yoya? Are they going to? Is this going to be an improvement on what they had? Or are they going to be able to make it back to Worlds and, and improve on the the accomplishments they had there? So Mad Lions are really interested. I, I will say that. How should I phrase? I don't think in the ten man roster that Mad Lions have. So it's obviously it's five man and five man, right? But mm-hmm. like in terms of the changes that Mad Lions have made. I don't think Mad Lions have brought in any player that is not like a high quality player. I don't think that they've that every roster decision was the best roster decision out of everyone that was available. But everyone that they brought in is is really really strong. I mean, Niter, I would say in the in the Super League Orange is going to be is going to be one of the top top laners in in that region. Uh, he's definitely one to look out for. Uh, and Armut, I know, is somebody that. Aranea and in particular, but also Mac have, have rated highly and somebody I rated highly too. I thought maybe he would be somebody making the transition to Academy. Um, but he is he's no joke as a player. Um obviously I love Arome, uh, I think and I love Shadow, and I think that those guys are really, really good. Um but if you wanted to make a change, Amut is the person who you should be making a change to. Uh, uh out of all of the available options. Um and he's definitely somebody who's shown when he was in Turkey, he was more stable than Broken Blade. Um, but also it's worth saying that sometimes stability is underrated. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think over the course of the year, the, the past two years since Broken, Broken Blade was considered the top Turkish top laner when he was in, in Turkey, um, uh, but was considered as somebody who was a little bit unstable, right? Like he, his highs were insanely high and he had a lot of highs when he was in Turkey. Um, but but his lows were pretty low. And Armut was mm-hmm. considered somebody who was much more stable. Uh, he's consistently top 10 in EU, um, solo queue, um, and is um, somebody who's added that carry potential over the past two years that Broken Blade hasn't been in Turkey. Uh, and you kind of saw a little bit of that at Worlds. Um, but this was this is something, you know, Armut is a player who's improved year on year on year and is very stable in how he approaches the game and very stable in how he learns new things. Uh, and players like this often don't burst into the scene, but they show through their structure and their ability to learn, and they show steady improvement year on year and year. And these players are, are kind of not to be underest- underestimated. Um, but he's not a player that would have immediately kind of stood out if you were looking at him as a rookie. But mm-hmm. he, you know, that doesn't matter, right? Like innate talent isn't as important as your ability to to sustain it over many many years, sustain improvement over many many years. And Yuya. I, I, I'm a big Shadow fan. I, I, I think that Shadow had a bad world, sure, but he was a very, very strong player in Europe and was a top three jungler for most of the year. Um, but if you were wanting to make a change for whatever reason, um, Elioria, Tinks, and Schlatan were the, were the top three rookies coming out from, from um, Academy. Um, if those are the guys you wanted to pick up and Xerxes was going to North America... Um, out of those, I think Illyria is was the best pick. Um, I'm a I, I like Zerxia, I like Shadow. I worked with them in the past. Um, but if those guys wanted to go to different regions, Illyria is the person that. If you had to ask me, you know, do I want Dan? Do I want Illyria? Who are the other rookies who are coming up? 
Um, Edoya would be the one that I would go for. Skeens is the one I would go for, but Skeens, I think, Vitality are committed to Skeens for next year. Uh, but Elioria is Elioria's up there, and uh, I think he can be really, really good. It would be between Elioria and Tinks, and I think Elioria... Elioria has more flexibility. Tinks, Tinks, if you want if you want one guy to be kind of... In England, we say Roy of the Rovers. Roy of the Rovers is like a... Uh, a comic book about about a soccer soccer player who like leads his team to victory and like he 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 scores the winning goal all the time and you know he he's the main carrier of the team. Tinks is your man. Like Tink, Tinks has has that kind of killer instinct and like the the star potential. But if 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 you want somebody who's going to be more stable, more supportive, and has the ability to carry as well, but is a bit more flexible across roles, Elioria is the one I would go for. But Tinks on SK is very exciting as well. Um, sure. So, so yeah. Yeah, so I think we, we can we can hope for and look for some good things from Mad Lions, but I think you know the, the story in the LEC as it has been for quite a while is is all G two, and you know they lose perks, they bring in Reckless. What are your thoughts on how well Reckless is going to work in? Because I think it's pretty easy to just look at that and say, oh, you know, the best bot laner, you know, massive legacy in Europe, and he's going to go to G two, and now the best just got better. Is it that simple? Is it that straightforward? Um, I don't think it's that simple. Um. <laughs> So let, let let's put 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 things on the table um, uh, at the start, right? Like G two have got gotten better relative to the rest of Europe. I think nobody disputes that, right? Uh, now, are G two going to be a better team in relation to the rest of the world? It's hard to say because they have a lot of players who demand resources, who like games to be played in a certain style, and I think Grabs is a very very competent coach. Um, I think when Perks came to NA, he kind of damned him a bit with faint praise. You know, he was like, "Oh, he was he wasn't completely useless," uh, and I think that that's that that's that's a bit harsh on Grams because I think I th Grams has the ability to manage teams, and he's shown even with low resource that he can do it. Um, but that is going to be his challenge, right? They they when you have a lot of veterans like this, a lot of people who won playing their specific styles. You know, norm normally when you when you play with veterans who haven't won, it's more easy to to get them to be flexible. But when they've won, being the primary carry, having this certain style of play, getting them to be to change styles is not that easy, um, and that's going to be a big challenge. Um, what I would say is, don't underestimate Mad Lions this year. Um, whatever you think about their roster changes, uh, Humanoid, Kazi, and Kaiser have all got one more year under their belt. And that's pretty scary for the rest of the league. Like, don't underestimate how how big of a deal that is. Um, Rogue um, Rogue will live and die by Trimby. Um, hmm. Yeah, Rogue will live and die by Trimby. Um, they will either be really, really strong, or they will be kind of in the challenger tier, or or maybe even below below. You know, like competing for four to five, based purely on how well Trimby does. Because he, you don't win in Europe without having a good support. Right, like I mean, I don't think people overrate. People say EU mids, you know, they're they're insane, and yes, EU mids are insane, but you don't go to Worlds with a bad support. Like no, like yeah. nobody goes to Worlds with a bad support in Europe. And the reason why G two and Fnatic are so strong is not because they have, um, you know, it's not because of their mid laders. It's because they have Hillisang and Mickey. And in fact, you look at the supports last year; the four best supports went to Worlds, right? Like sure. Vanda, um, Kaiser, uh, Mickey, and Hillisang, right? And Trimby. Is a rookie, and he's going to have to prove that. In the jungle role, in the mid role, there's a lot of talent. You get a lot of opportunity to challenge yourself. But support is no joke, and support is going to determine how Rogue do. 
Uh, who else? Have so I on the fanatic side, I think what, ah, what I'm really excited okay. to see is you got self-made, you know, you know, loves to carry. You've got Niski loves to enable a carry jungler. What do you think? Is it going to work out? It will work out better than with Nemesis. Um, sure. Like it, it's a better stylistic match. Uh, but, you know, that's not the only is... change fanatic have made, right? They, yeah. they lost yeah. Reckless. And exactly. that's a that's a pretty big lost overcome. Yeah. I have to be careful about this because I know I know Reckless fans are very, very. <laughs> okay, so Reckless, despite what people maybe believe, is not the best mechanical AD carry in the world, right? There are many <laughs> AD carries, especially in China, who have better mechanics than he does. However, he is amongst the smartest AD carries in the world. Right? Like the way that he plays lane, the way that he kind of leverages his experience to beat people who are mechanically who could click more times than he can. The way that he uses his intelligence to beat those guys is something which is really, really beautiful to watch. Uh, and kind of if you watch Fnatic versus Top at Worlds, most people would say he got the better of Jackie Love. And frankly, on pure mechanics, on pure, you know, I'm going to whack you with this club, like Jackie Love is a better player than Reckless, right? Like as a better AD carry, let's say, yeah. a better AD carry than Reckless. But Reckless was able to get the better of him by using his intelligence, by using his wave control, by using, using you know, these kind of small, you know, dirty tricks, let's say. You know, he, <laughs> he didn't, he, he's not going to fight you in a fair fight. He's going to frustrate you. Sure. He's going he's gonna to find the, a way to maneuver around you. Tilt the table a little bit, right? Yeah. And I think people kind of undervalue this, this, this experience and what it provides you in, 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 in esports. And I think that... That this is kind of what, what Reckless was going to. I would say that in terms of pure mechanics, in terms of his ability to click lots, Reckless is is a top five, top four AD carry in Europe. But if if you add his knowledge, he's like number one by mm-hmm. a mile, right? Like he's so far ahead of everyone else. It's 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 no joke, right? And this kind of game sense and game intelligence is is something something you should underrate. And what by bringing in upset, upset is somebody who has the ability to click, right? Like mm-hmm. in terms of his pure raw mechanics. You look at where he places in solo queue year after year. He gets multiple accounts into the top five. He's 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 a very good one one versus one player, but he doesn't have that intelligence of reckless um, for how he plays his lane, and that's not an insult to upset, right? Like some, like he has strengths and he plays towards his strengths, and this is why he's really really highly valued in Europe. But you know the best thing that upset can possibly do is literally go and grind reckless ones uh, for for like hmm. a month. Uh, and if he can kind of combine his his obvious mechanical skill and talent, like he, which upset has in spades, with with kind of like that laning intelligence. Uh, I, I don't want to go into too, too many details because I don't want to sure. give away kind of my uh, yeah. coach philosophy on this. But but if he can add some of these tricks that Reckless has, he then that fanatic team can be really really crazily good. Um, but it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. Uh, and when you have Niski on your team, and when you have Bripper on your team, these are players who are willing to sacrifice for you. Uh, and upset, I think, is probably the best player in the world who hasn't been... Well, best player in the West. I'm not going to say best player in the world. Who hasn't gone to Worlds yet. Uh, I would say most people would agree to that. And mm-hmm. this is his chance to, 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 get that, to get that opportunity. Because this team will play for him and will live or die by him. Um, so... So yeah, so so this is his what chance you, to fulfill his promise. 
What do you say to people who look at Fnatic and say, oh, Niski coming in out of the LCS and he's just going to be a weak point for these guys and they're going to be held back by Niski as a player and the rest is fine, but Niski's going to hold them back? I mean, Nis Niski was, is a player that came through the Fnatic system, right? Like, uh, he didn't come through the Splice system. He was on Fnatic Academy, he went to North American Envy, and then he joined Splice afterwards, right? Uh, he's a player that they know well, historically. He's a player that I know people in Fnatic value very, very highly behind the scenes. He's a player that even when he was on Cloud9, like, he's a player that, that, that Fnatic value like people behind the scenes of Fnatic value much more highly than fans. And he's a player that that interest didn't change when he was on, when he was on Splice and it didn't change when he was on Cloud9. If you bring up one of like, cause he was considered one of the top prospects coming out from Academy that year. If you have a player like that, who, who was able to match caps consistently in scrims, you don't forget about him. And this is kind of his homecoming. Uh, and the kind of the lukewarm response, I think is a bit, unfortunate but may maybe maybe Fnatic could have switched the, the narrative a bit right uh instead of talking about him as somebody that they brought from north america talk about how this is his homecoming because this is the, the, this is this is niski going back to the org that scouted him to start with that trained him and that gave him his opportunity in his career and i think he's going to be he's going to be fine uh, he's going to play a slightly different style to to what people are used to with nemesis um and we'll remain we'll, we'll, we'll we will have to see how things work out um, but he's he's at a massive disadvantage because he's not going to be playing with Reckless. And that's not an insult to upset. It's just that Reckless has the ability to carry a lot of your shot calling when things are going badly. Right. And from my understanding of upset, that's not what upset provides, right? Upset provides you with a really, really powerful club, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, whereas Reckless is more like a rapier, I would say, you know, like he has uh you know, he he he's somebody that he he's a sword, right? But, but finesse, upset right? is is yeah, finesse, right? But upset is the is a club and he's a very, very powerful club. He's the ace of clubs. There you go. That, that that's how <laughs> I would describe that's how I would describe upset. All right, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think like I in the in the the episode of Run It coming out this week, I think I used the phrase that I, I think Niski was probably the most underappreciated player in the LCS in the second half of 2020. I think people just didn't really recognize what he was bringing a lot of the time and like would blame things on him that weren't you know he was doing the right thing and the team didn't do the right thing around him. There was yep. a lot of that, and I'm I'm very hopeful because I when I have a when I have an opinion like that, I want to be proven right, right? So I'm hopeful that he'll that he'll uh, <laughs> make me look good. But uh, but we'll have to see because he's going to have to do a lot of things right, I think, to help that team succeed. Uh, mm -hmm. And for, I for think sure. it can happen. Uh, I, I, will, I will say that I think Brippo is, is a player that is underrated in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe he's... <laughs> Is he overrated or is he underrated? It depends who you ask, right? Exactly. I, I think, I think, yeah, I think that, that, that Brupo is a player that he is probably going to have to become the leading voice in the team. Hear him, like he's the one who's going to have to fill the, the gap left by Reckless. And we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see whether he can do it. Well, but everything talking, that I've seen, we, we know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's very good at talking. But what I would say is that, that you know, sometimes that's valuable. You know, when, when Nemesis was going through his rough patches, Whipper was the guy who was coming out on social media and defending him, right? Um, when nobody else would. And I think that that's something you've got to admire in your senior players, right? The, the, the willingness to put an arm around their shoulder when things aren't going well and to, mm -hmm. to go and put your name out there and to go and defend them. And, and that leads me to believe that Whipper can fill that role, um, but it's no joke. Like, filling in 
a gap left by a player like Reckless is no joke. Yeah, uh, for sure. So, yeah. yeah, it's going to be a going to be a great LEC season. I think it's going to be a great LCS season. Uh, and the lock-in tournament is going to give us a really good introduction to that. Amateur and Academy is going to be very exciting this year with with the entire new structure of it and a lot, hopefully, a lot higher accessibility to to watch the games either live or or, or afterwards and, and better storage of odds and all of that. So, really looking forward to 2021. Really looking forward to following what you're doing within that within the scene during it. Uh, what's the best way for people to follow your work and 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 your teams this year? Um, I would say give, uh, so, uh, Twitter is the best way to reach me, especially Twitter DMs. Uh, my Twitter is PC deviator, uh, which, and, uh, DV8R, um, mm-hmm. and it's, um, and follow EG as well, because I, I, I know I have to say this is EG coach, but if you want to learn about NA Academy and NA amateur, EG, EG Academy, EG Prodigies, watch them. They're, those teams are no joke, and you will see many, many of those players playing in the LCS in the next two years. So, so watch those teams and get a get a leg up, whether you support us or not. Uh, and you should follow at uh, Evil Geniuses uh, to, to to get the updates there for them. Great. You can support the True Sight podcast at patreon.com slash oracleselixir. You can subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as anchor.fm slash truesight. And make sure you check out the Oracle's Elixir Discord server to talk about League of Legends, esports, data science, and a lot more. Links for all of those things, as well as the things that Peter mentioned, will be in the show notes. This has been the True Sight podcast with Peter Dunn, and I'm Tim Sevenhusen. Thanks for listening. <laughs>